you doing, Red Church? Uh, you guys are learning. You're learning. Maybe next week you'll get it better. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So uh, my name is Bobby, one of the pastors here at the Ridge. Thank you guys so much for being here uh, today. Uh, today uh, we're going to do something just a little bit different to begin the service. Obviously, we've done a little, a uh, few different things. You got to hear a little bit of uh, the Civil Wars this morning. Uh, here, obviously, they weren't here, but I think Chris and Julie gave them a pretty good run for their money. I, I don't know. I don't know. They did a pretty good job. So yeah, yeah. And you're like, man, why did you even play that song? Well, one, it shows that we're normal people. We like normal music. And uh, two, it's just a good song. Okay, so um, that's it. Uh, there's no spiritual meaning behind it at all. Just wanted to let you know. All right, so um, here's what we're going to do. I want to ask uh, Jacob and Holly uh, to come up. You guys come on up here. Where's uh, Holly? There she is. I didn't see you back there. Y'all are hiding in the back. You guys just met Jacob a few minutes ago. Jacob is... Uh, he's on our, our lead team, our leadership team here at the Ridge. Uh, Holly is one of our uh, Ridge Kids volunteers uh, downstairs, and both of them just do a, a fantastic job here at the Ridge. And this is their daughter, Rebecca. You guys can say hi, Rebecca. That's okay. They're saying hi to you. <laughs> uh, last year, uh, I guess it was, it was last year, right? Last year we had the opportunity uh, to dedicate their son, Ryan, which is Rebecca's brother. And so uh, this year, a year later almost, just a little over a year later, we're actually going to have the opportunity to uh, dedicate uh, Rebecca as well. And so, I don't know, did you guys want to say anything or I don't know if you wanted to, to mention anything at all? Okay, all right, all right, I don't want to put you on the spot. But um, de- what we do with baby dedications, and places do it differently, but uh, all we're really doing is, is they're bringing their child up and they're saying, hey, we, we want to do the very most important thing uh, for our child that we could possibly do. It's not, uh, it's not a college fund, although that's important. It's not, you know, all these other things. Those are, those are important things, but the most important thing that we as parents can do, you as parents can do, and that Holly and Jacob are going to do is to raise Rebecca up in a godly home, show her Jesus, show her what it means to love Jesus and to love others. And so they've come today uh, to dedicate Rebecca to that and dedicate themselves to that task. And so if you don't mind, will you guys just stand to your feet with me for just a moment? Uh, we're just going to pray for them and pray for Rebecca and uh, do uh, just to say, God, uh, we want to walk uh, with you as you walk with her and raise her up in this godly home. Let's, let's all pray together. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to stand here with this amazing family, God, uh, with uh, Holly and Jacob and Rebecca and, and, and Ryan, God. And God, I just pray for Holly and Jacob as they step into this role as uh, godly parents to lead Rebecca, uh, God, in, in just a, a way that will honor and glorify you, Father, in a way that will show Jesus uh, to her all of her life, God, and show her how to exemplify you and honor and glorify you in her own life as she continues on this journey. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you. We thank you for this family. We thank you for Rebecca and how they've come together. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys may be seated. Thank you, guys. We love doing uh, baby dedications here, and so uh, maybe maybe you've never uh, dedicated your child, and maybe you've wanted to. Uh, we would love to be able to, to stand and, and do that together with you because one of the things that it also helps us do is that uh, it, it reminds Jacob and Holly 
that we are a family. We're, we're a church family, one, but we're, we're family and brothers and sisters in Christ. And so it is also our uh, duty to hold them accountable and to encourage them and to, and to push them and, and to just come around them and continue to, to pray with them. And so if that's something that, that you've been interested in, in wanting to do, uh, I just encourage you to go our, excuse me, go to our website, send us an email, and just uh, let us know, and we can, uh, we can take care of that. Um, <clears throat> We're today going to finish up our series called uh, The Walking Dead, and we've been in this series for, this will be the third week, and today we're actually going to finish this series. Uh, If you need to catch up to the series, go to our website or download our iPhone or our Android app and and listen to the podcast there to get caught up. But uh, today we're going to to finish this series up, and I'm excited, uh, one, to finish it up because I love what God has done in this series, and then two, I'm excited to start the next series next week, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, my, in my seven years of marriage, seven years, we've been, my wife and I, Denera, uh, she's white, but it just, you know, if you needed to know, um, <laughs> not that it matters, but so, <laughs> so people will ask me that, they'll be like, so anyway, just needed to know. All right, so, uh, but again, I'm just saying, it doesn't matter, but I'm just saying, if you needed to know, now you know. Uh, so my wife, Denera, she we've been married for seven years now, okay? And she has never asked me one time to build something in our house. <laughs> never. And there's a reason for this. In fact, when we need, when there's been several construction projects to, to go on in our house, and, and any time that that has taken place, we've always called somebody else to come, and, you know, a family friend, or, you know, my father, or father-in-law, you know, somebody to come, and my brother, you know, to, to just help us do this, and uh, it's really funny, because they know, too, because what happens is, I'm... I'm usually, like, I'm just the kind of guy that I want to help. Like, I want to get in there. I want to get my hands dirty. I want to do something. I want to help. But they usually send me on errand runs. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, go pick up pizza. It was like, we just ate. Well, go pick up another, you know, pizza. Like, just get out of the house. Like, they just don't want me. And the reason they don't want me there is because I am just, I'm just really bad at construction. I just am. I'll just be honest with you. I'm really bad at construction. But... What I am really good at is I'm really good at deconstruction. I'm really good at deconstruction. And, and, and so today, uh, when we jump into Scripture here, and if you want to, you can go ahead and turn there, Luke chapter 18. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the first four books of the Bible there. So Luke chapter 18, we're going to be there. Uh, today is going to be a lot of deconstruction. We're going we're gonna to have to deconstruct some things first before we reconstruct some things. And so because we live in the South, I feel like that that almost every single week, although I may not say it, every single week, I feel like I need to sort of deconstruct some things that you and I and most of us, especially if you grew up in the South or if you grew up in a church uh, culture in the South, there are things that I feel like that we just need to, to deconstruct sometimes. Because a great many of us have, myself included, have been taught things that simply aren't taught in the Bible. And yet, we, we've come to believe those things, and we've come to understand those things as biblical, and so we, we kill ourselves over these things to, to try to do these things when, in fact, they're not really in the Bible. I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. It's not in the Bible. 
not even in there. Uh, and in fact, if you if you think that there, there's there's an idea that cleanliness is next to godliness, but depending on how you look at it, you could look at that and say that you have to desanitize yourself before you can come to God, right? And so this idea that cleanliness is next to godliness is not even in the Bible. Here's here's one that all of us are very familiar with: uh, God will never give you more than you can handle. It's not true. It's not true because here's the think about this for a second. If if God could ne- would never give you more than you could handle, why would we need Jesus? You could handle it on your own. If I could handle it on my own, if we never felt the weight and the pressure of sin and repentance in our lives, why would we why would we need Jesus? And so that that verse is actually taken out of context many many times. Here's another one. Uh, money is the root of all evil. Not true. The love of money that is the root of all evil. Uh, one, one more. Um, get sanitized before you get baptized. I made that one up, but that's, that, that one's not in the Bible either. But when we read the Bible or when we go to church, it's really not so much when we read the Bible because if we would just read the Bible, we would understand that that's not... N- anywhere near what scripture tells us but because we grew up in cultures and church cultures that said you know what if you want to to come to jesus you better get your life in order first you better get things cleaned up you better stop doing this you better stop doing that you better get cleaned up before you come to jesus because that's the way that jesus wants you he wants you clean he does want us clean but he does the cleaning and so and so I feel like that they're, none of these, they, they just they don't hold water. And so there's a great deal of things that we've been taught about how to come to Jesus that just doesn't work. It doesn't work. So in Luke chapter 18, uh, we're going to read a, a couple of verses here. And um, I'm just going to read a, a few verses and then we're just going to kind of break them down as we go. But uh, Luke 18, Jesus he uh, begins to tell another parable, and we've looked at different parables for the last couple of weeks. And so when Jesus uh, teaches through a parable, he's basically giving an example. He's telling a story, and it's a made-up story. And, and Jesus is making up this story to prove a point. He's, he's showing a, a parable to say, look, this is like this, or it's kind of like this. And so this is what a parable is. And so Jesus, in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9, he says this. He also, talking about Jesus, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Now, let's, let's, let's stop right there for a second. Because I want you to understand who Jesus is talking to and what he's trying to say here. Because if we miss this first part, we miss the whole thing. He, he tells this parable to people who had a belief that they were morally right and because they thought that they were morally right they looked down on others and so they 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 were they were saying uh, there were these people who were, were just going you know what i do everything that i'm supposed to do i love jesus better than you or Actually, in that time, they didn't really love Jesus at that time. But, but they, you know, I know the scripture more than you know the scripture. I, 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 I do more of the laws. I, I keep every single one of the laws, but you break three of them. So I'm better than you. And so he, he's talking to these people who were, who were looking down on him. So it would be very much like Jesus 
telling this to people who thought that, that God simply loved them more because they listened to Air One Radio, all right? Or uh, that they only watched R-rated movies that were about saviors getting crucified. <laughs> or because they popped testaments. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Testaments? <laughs> like Skittles. Oh, you popped testaments like Skittles. You must be better than me. Um, or they wore, they wore their overtly Christian t-shirts as if it was a moral badge of honor to say, I'm better than you. And, 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 and so this is what Jesus is saying. He, he, he's about to go, just like he always does in Scripture, he's about to go straight at them. And he's not going to hold back. He's not going to candy coat anything. He's going he's gonna to be just like the book of John says in the first chapter where, where it describes Jesus as truth and grace, grace and truth. He's 100% truth and he's 100% grace, which means he's going to give us the truth as he always does, but he's going to do it in such a way that we see the grace and the truth. Now, we talked about this last week, but we talked about how we don't really... We're not really comfortable with the truth. We love the grace, but we are really uncomfortable with the truth. And so I thought about that this week, and I was like, how could I better explain that so that we could sort of understand why Jesus is just going straight at our hearts? And, and, and I thought about it like this. It's like if, if we came in here today, and you all were sitting there right now, and every single one of you like smelled smoke or something, right? And you're like, I think this place is on fire. And I'm like, I know you think it's on fire, but it's not. When I know that it is. And I just said, it's, it's okay. It's going to be okay. When in fact, it's not really going to be okay. Now, which would you rather have me to tell you all, hey, this place is on fire. You better get out. Right? Is that not what we would really want? Yeah. And so this is exactly why Jesus goes straight for the heart with truth. Verse 10. He goes on and he begins to tell the story. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And so you have a Pharisee, which is bad, and then you have a tax collector, which is really bad. Okay, So in Scripture, a Pharisee is just a religious leader. They were a religious leader, and they kept the law. And so they knew Scripture, the Old Testament, the first five books of the Old Testament. They knew them front and back. And so they knew Scripture better than probably every single one of us in here, definitely better than me. And so they knew this Scripture so well, but they kept every single law. They didn't miss a law. They kept every single law. And so you have the Pharisee who's in the temple praying, but then it says you also have a tax collector. Now, the reason why a tax collector, you have, the Pharisee is bad, but the tax collector is really, really bad, is because if you have any background biblical knowledge, you understand what a tax collector is. A tax collector was a Jewish person, okay, in Israel, right, a, a, a Jew who was hired by the Roman government, okay, which occupied the area forcefully, hired by the Roman government to collect taxes from their own people. And if they couldn't just ask for it and get it, they would go and take it by any means necessary. And not only that, sometimes they would just take some for themselves as well. So they would take what they needed to take for Rome, but then they would also take for themselves. They were stealing from their own people. And so 
when the Bible talks about tax collectors, usually the Bible will say sinners, prostitutes, oh, and tax collectors. It was like here, 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 right? And so Pharisee, tax collector, bad, really bad, okay? So here we go. Uh, They went into the temple to pray. Verse 11, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Now, his prayer, think about his prayer for a second. He, listen to what he's saying. He's, he's saying, God, I thank you. So he's thanking God. He's praying to God, which is good, right? We're like, okay, I get that. He's, he's thanking God that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Now, listen. There is nothing wrong with the prayer that he's actually praying. There's nothing wrong with it. He's, he's praying to God, and all he's saying is, is he's saying, I, God, I thank you that this is not me. I thank you that, that I'm not this. And so he's basically thanking God for what God has saved him from. Now, which one of us in here would not pray that prayer? Which one of us in here have not ever prayed that prayer? Where we said, God, thank you for what you've saved me from. God, thank you for, for the way that you have saved me. And this is all that the Pharisee is saying. He, he's just saying, God, thank you that, that you saved me from these things. And so if you have ever prayed to God and thanked him for what he has saved you from, then you and I have prayed this prayer. We've, we've prayed this prayer. But then we get to the end of it, and, it, and it, gets, it gets a little dicey because he also says, oh, and by the way, thank you that I'm not like this guy, this tax collector. All right? Now, at first thought, we're like, okay, so that's where he's, he's went wrong. Not, not really because we've all prayed that prayer too, right? If you have a neighbor who mows his yard in a Speedo, you've prayed that prayer. <laughs> all right? God, thank you that I am not deranged like this man. Right? You, you've prayed that prayer. Or, or if you have children, if you have children, I know you've prayed this prayer. If you have eaten in the same restaurant with me, I know that you have prayed this prayer. If you're a parent, you've eaten in a restaurant and you have the good kid. Right? But the table right next to you has that kid. Yeah? Right? And you're like, God, I thank you that my child is not that kid. My daughter is that kid. <laughs> I love her. She, she, I love her. Listen, Isaiah Angel, Emerson, that kid, okay? She, she's, just, she's just that kid. She's just that kid. And so if you've, if you've ever been in a, in a situation like that, you've prayed that prayer. You may not have said it out loud where you were like, God, thank you that I'm not like him. Thank you that I don't have that wife. Thank you that I don't have that husband. But you've prayed that prayer. I've prayed that prayer. And so really what the Pharisee is praying here, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with, what he's, with what he's saying at first. But he goes on. This is where it gets a little crazy. Verse 12. He says this. He says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I've got. So now... Now he's getting into morality. 
Because at, at, at first sight, we look at this and, and we see nothing wrong with his prayer. But then as we go on, we see this, this is where the problem is. Because he begins to talk about fasting and tithing. Now, fasting and tithing, if, if you don't have a lot of church background, that's okay. Fasting is, is, is where uh, a believer will uh, say that I'm going to do without this. Many times it's food because I want to uh, take my focus off these external things so I can focus on internal things. And tithing is, we just experienced that a, a few minutes ago when Jacob came up here and, and many of us gave. We, we gave, some of us gave a tenth, some of us gave more, some of us gave less, but the, the important thing is that we gave something. And, and, and so what the, the Pharisee, though, is saying, the law only said that you had to fast once a week. And so the Pharisee says, I thank you that I fast twice a week. And I give a tenth of everything. You see, the law didn't say that you had to give a tenth of everything. It just said that you had to give a tenth, a tithe. But he gives a tenth of everything. And so they, the, the Pharisees, they would go as far as, uh, for example, if they had uh, something, um, uh, a crop or something, they would actually give a tenth of their crop. Also, they would give a tenth of everything. And so it would be very much like uh, if you or I, uh, if we, uh, throughout the year, we, we gave on, on a weekly basis. We, we gave a, a tenth of our income on a, on a weekly basis of, of the net money that we bring in. But at the end of the year, when April rolls around and we get that tax check in, we also give a tenth of that on the tax check. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating. I'm just saying, okay? All right? They'll be like, are you saying? No, I'm not. I'm just saying. So listen, this is the, I'm, I'm just giving you an example. This is what, this is what Jesus said that the, that the Pharisee was doing. Now, here's the question. Is there anything wrong with fasting or giving extra? No. No, there's, there's nothing wrong with fasting twice a week. Or all week, or 30 days, or 40 days, whatever. There, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, with giving as much as you feel led to give. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. So, so what is the problem with his prayer? There is not an ounce of this man that has been awakened to life in Christ. Because his prayer and perceived right standing, his morality with God, is based on the things that he has done and not what Jesus has already done. And so he's saying, God, you and I, we're good, we're cool, I'm, I'm good with you, you're good with me because I, tw I fast twice a week. We're good because I give a tenth of everything that I have. We're, we're, we're good, like we're, we're, we're okay with one another. And, and Jesus says this in this parable. He says this to, to deconstruct the hearts of the people. And it's something, it's something that I feel like that for, for you and I, we have to put to death. Because so many people I talk to every day believe that the more that they do, the more moral they can live, the more, the more outside of the facade is cleaned up, then that is what actually gives us salvation. And it's simply not true. It's not true at all. There's, there, there is nothing 
true about that. But over and over and over and over, we see Jesus prove that, and the, and, and the New Testament prove that, that it's not what you are doing that saves you, but what Jesus has already done. And so if you're taking notes today, you can write this down as, as the bottom line. If you remember nothing else today, it's this. It's, it's not what you're doing, but it's what he's already done. Listen, it doesn't matter how much you give. It doesn't matter what radio station you listen to. It doesn't matter how many Christian t-shirts you have in your closet. It doesn't matter what your church attendance record is. It doesn't matter if you were Bible drill champion for five straight years in a row. None of that matters. In fact, it would all be done in vain if you have no relationship with Christ. If you are trusting in that. And so Jesus, after he sort of deconstructs this with the people listening, he begins to reconstruct it like this. He says this, verse 13. He says, but the tax collector, remember the tax collector? He's on the other side over there. The tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, meaning saved. This man went down to his, his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so this tax collector is completely broken. He has no moral leg to stand on. He can't say, you know, I, I fast three times a week. I give 20%. I listen to Air One and K-Love. What's up? He has, no moral he, has, he has no moral leg to stand on. He has, he has nothing that he can bring to Jesus except to plead the blood of Christ. God have mercy on me because I'm a sinner. I have nothing. I am nothing. And all I have is to stand here in front of you and to just ask you to forgive me because that's all I have is to ask that question. And Jesus says, this man, instead of the other, is justified. At the end of the day, salvation does not come from the things that we think that we do Things like church attendance or things like whatever it is that we put in the offering basket or, or how many times we've read the Bible from cover to cover. The, the, these things have nothing to do with our salvation. It's Christ alone. Jesus. Jesus and nothing else. It's not what you're doing, but what he has already done. Now listen. Listen. Here's the thing, because if we're not real careful, we can look at this and we say, oh, so you're saying that I don't have to serve, and I don't have to show up to church, and I don't have to give. And for some of you, you're really excited about that. <laughs> Let's be honest. But 
that's not what he's saying either, because we, as we read through the New Testament, we see that as we grow closer to Christ, we want to love Christ with an outward expression of loving him. And we do that through serving. We do that through giving. And, and some of that is a command that Jesus actually gives us. And so to love him, Scripture says, to love him is to obey what he commands of us. And so if you're going, well, sweet, that's awesome. I don't have to do anything. Like I can burn all my Christian t-shirts. Yes, you can do that. But, but, listen, it's not about what you're doing. It's about what Jesus has already done on the cross. And that's it. That's it. There, there, there is nothing else to add to that. And the reason why I know this is because, not because, not because the Bible tells me so. Let's not, let's not go Sunday school here. It's not because the Bible tells me so. It's because that there is an empty tomb where they put a man who was dead, who went to a cross to die for me, for you, for all of us, and they put him in a tomb, and he did not stay there. He defeated death. He got up, and he left the tomb. And then all these people saw him. The disciples saw him. They wrote accounts of actually seeing him. But then not only that, you're like, okay, yeah, but that's objective. Not only that, because here, here's the thing. Because after that, Christianity, believers, they began to multiply rapidly by thousands and thousands and thousands. And so what was contained in a very small area, a very, very small area for a very short amount of time, began to spread all over the world. And it spread so fast and so quickly that we are here in Oak Ridge, Tennessee today talking about it thousands of years later. Now, you tell me, if Jesus had not gotten out of a tomb, you think all of those people who have given their lives for so many years, and especially right after it happened, do you think that they would have died for a lie? Knowing that it was a lie. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't. But they did. So this is why I know that it's not about what I've, I've done, what I'm doing. It's about what he has already done. You can go back and you can look in the scriptures and you can see where Jesus was actually hanging on the cross and he was hanging between two criminals. And one of them said, Jesus, remember me today when you die. Remember me today in paradise. That's what he said to him, right? And, and what did Jesus say back to him? He said, I will, I will, yeah, I will remember you. You're coming with me, man. What kind of moral leg did he have to stand on? He was dying on a cross next to Jesus. It's not about what you've done, what you're doing. It's about what Jesus has already done. I'll close with this. Um, if you want to, you can flip back uh, Romans, just a couple of uh, books back. Romans chapter three. Um, normally, I don't read um, I don't read stuff out of uh, the Message translation because it's like a paraphrase of Scripture. Um, but this is actually so. If you have an ESV uh, or NIV or NLT or whatever, this is going to be different than what you've heard. But but Romans three twenty one through twenty eight states this in such a clear way and in such a clear fashion that I think this is really going to just help us get our minds around this. It'll be on the screen behind me here too. So check this out. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul. Uh, he, he is writing the church in Rome, and this is what he says to him. He says, but in our time, something new has been added. What Moses and the prophets witnessed to all, to all those years has happened. 
the God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. And not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there is no difference between us and them in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, I love that, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious life God wills for us. God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be, and he did it by the means of Jesus Christ. Verse 25, God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. Having faith in him sets us in the clear. God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus, finally taking care of the sins he had so patiently endured. This is not only clear, but it's now. This is current history. God sets things right. He also makes it possible for us to live in his righteousness. Listen to what he said. He says, he, Jesus, makes it right for us to stand in his righteousness. Not you, not me, not what you've done, but what he's done. Verse 27. So, where does that leave our proud Jewish insiders' claims and counterclaims? Canceled? Yes. Canceled. What we've learned is this. God does not respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. We finally figured it out. Amen. Our lives get in step with God and all others by letting him set the pace, not by proudly or anxiously trying to run the parade. If we could, on our own, achieve our own salvation by the the moral things that we do, by being good people, quote, unquote, good people. If we we could achieve our own salvation that way, then, then... There would be no need for a cross. Jesus would have died in vain. He would have died in vain. There's nothing wrong with being proud of of where God has has brought you and I from. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, God, thank you. In fact, we're going to talk about this next week. We're going to talk about uh, about being thankful about where God has has brought us from, the places that God has saved us from. And so there's nothing wrong with being being thankful and being proud about what God has, has saved us from. But if it's about that alone, then we are wrong. If we're truly pursuing Jesus and we want to grow in our faith, then we will trust in what he has already done and not base our salvation on what we are doing. Let's stand our feet. This morning, I want to uh, take a few minutes to just simply pray. And depending on where you are in your relationship with Christ today, then is depending on where you need to do work today. The point of, of coming to church, although we have made it such, the point of coming to church is not always to leave excited and pumped up because somebody told us how good we are. Sometimes, It's good just to sit and think about not what we've done, but what Christ has done. So maybe today, as a believer, you're here, you've given your life to Christ. Maybe you've been walking with Christ for a very long time. And so maybe today, as a believer, you just need to repent 
from having a puffed up view of the moral things that you have done that we have thought that has just made God clap and cheer and jump up and down. Listen, God loves when we serve him out of love for just loving him, not serving him or doing for him out of what we expect to get out of him. So maybe today as a believer, maybe maybe that's maybe that's been your motivation. Maybe that's been where where you're at. And so would you take for just the next few minutes, would you just take the next few minutes to just repent of that? And just say, Jesus, it's all, it's all about you. It's not about me. It's not about what, if you didn't give me a thing, if you never blessed me on this earth ever again, I would still love you and I would still serve you and I would still give to you. Because it's not about what you're doing here. It's about what we get when we get there. Maybe today you're, you're not a believer. You've never given your life to Christ and, and you see that there is nothing you can do. You feel kind of helpless. You feel worthless. You feel like, well, what am I going to do? You see, Jesus had already done it on the cross for you. He's already done it. The, the, the question about what can you do is not a valid question. The question is not what, what you, can you do. The question is when will you just plead for the mercy of God? Maybe that time is now. Maybe that time is today. Maybe that time is in this moment for you to do just that. I can't do that for you. I can't make you do it. All I can do is just tell you what the truth says, what Scripture says, and let you understand that there is grace when we come to God and say, God, I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I'm ready for you to just do it. You've already done it, so let's here, here I am. Here I am. And so wherever you're at today, would you just take the next few moments to do that, to pray? If you feel like you need to come down front down here, you're welcome to. Somebody will meet you down here, but you can sit right where you're at in your seat, and you can pray. If you would like someone to call you this week and to pray with you, or you'd like to share what God's doing in your life, fill out a Connect card and drop it off at Ridge Central on the way out here today so we can pray and, and celebrate with you. But whatever it is that you do, take this moment. You're here today for this very moment. You didn't come here today because the coffee was good, although it's good. You, you didn't come here today because the coffee was good. You came here today for this moment, for what God is doing in your life right now. This is why he drew you here. And so don't miss the opportunity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you for how it opens us up and just splits us wide open, God, and comes straight for our hearts, Father. God, forgive me for any time, God, that I've ever beat my own chest and said, look at what I've done. For any time, God, that I've ever had a big head. God, I thank you for what you have already done. So I didn't have to. I don't know that I would. But you did. So we just plead for your mercy, God, and ask for your forgiveness. We just sit. We just sit at your feet, Father. God, as we look to you, as we honor you, as we worship you, God. Father, it's in your name that we pray. You guys keep praying as the band plays and sings and feel like you just need to worship, you worship, or whatever you need to do. Just take this time.